Welcome to The Hard Way with Anvil T&D, where three Australian veterans cover everything physical and mental health, business, education, and life lessons learned the hard way. Each episode, the Anvil team challenge themselves, their guests, and their listeners to ask the hard questions, acknowledge their biases, broaden their perspective, and have a laugh along the way. Now, here are your hosts, Dan, Marshall, and Nathan. Beware the dark humor and enjoy the podcast. All righty. Through the whole thing for this. Well done. Yeah, I haven't even read it. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, I knew that, but you just not said it. <laughs> <laughs> Dan knew you hadn't read it, but he didn't need to throw it in his face. <laughs> I said a random thought. Gets one fucking haircut. I know. Thinks he's the king gets, of the world. Gets a fresh fuckboy haircut. Yeah. And fuck your, fuck your feelings, I guess. Yeah. I had a thought. Okay. The issue with having a well-mannered girlfriend is that we're, you know, live, we're live in it. I know. I'm just like <laughs> I just had to get this out before I forgot. Okay. Is that you know when someone yawns and you do the like the finger in the mouth prank? Yeah. Can't do it because they cover their mouth every time. <laughs> it sucks. I fucking hate that. The prank, or enjoy, that you really, can't finger someone's mouth. <laughs> I really enjoy yawns. Like they're quite pleasurable. I think. And then when someone sticks their finger in your mouth, it just wrecks everything. <laughs> I'm so unsatisfied after yeah. it. <laughs> All right. Cool. Um, great start. Yeah, great start. All right, well, welcome to The Hard Way with Anvil, Training Development. That's us. That's us. That's the three megas. Oh, uh, here in Tuesday afternoon. Today we are covering the article by myself, and it is called Preservation and Isolation. This was written back in March. Hmm. when the uh, zombie virus first was taken over. and yeah. um, I think we that was that was lockdown, wasn't that? Like, yeah, that yeah. was when lockdown started. Some pretty early stage of lockdown. siren went off. And, yeah. yeah, people <laughs> just started fighting to the death over toilet bought in bulk. Yeah. Like, it wasn't just toilet paper. It was also like mints and a lot of mm. meat-like things. I assume people were taking them, just freezing it. Yeah, um, yeah, surely. And bottled water was, I think, another one, which yeah. I guess that makes sense if yeah. you really couldn't leave. Yeah, I mean, unless they've got a tab. Hey, the water could go out. I don't know why, but... Yeah, so. zombies get the water plant. First thing they go for. Yeah. Got to stay hydrated while they're chasing humans. That's exactly right. Um, but so this article goes talks about um, some of the physical and mental challenges faced with the isolation because this isolation wasn't something like I'm just six and sent home for a day. It was I have no choice in this and for an extended period of time and especially yeah. since that period of time had no clear end. And I would say now, what, six months on? I think, yeah, I think Victoria's month? still going hard. Yeah, yeah, Victoria's going hard. At, you know, it's their own fault. Um, what's happening with them is... Um, they're on stage two on the roadmap. Yeah, but they have like stage two level... Three. Oh, okay. So there's levels between the stages right. that they're slowly. So okay. I don't know what they're on at the moment. So I think they just went into two, stage two. Yeah. Um, but I also heard someone saying that they shouldn't be yet because there's still too high of a daily count or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, so this was written to do with the challenges faced because, like I was just saying, it's a um, isolation you're not choosing yourself. It's mandated for the in the sake of um, you know herd health. Mm. Um, and it also has no clear end date. And I'd say even now, there's no real clear end date. I guess they have their roadmap and everything, but it's not like, oh, yeah, it's going to be done next Friday. Don't worry about it anymore. It's gone. Yeah. It's um, still a big concern. And they're only just coming, and Melbourne or Victoria just coming out of like, uh, well, they're on like house lockdown or something, curfew. Yeah, they had mm. a curfew as well. Yeah, so it's pretty fun down there, whereas it's been a bit gentler up here because everyone did the right, or we Certainly. did better. At the it anyway. show I just watched, Utopia, is literally like about a global pandemic virus right um and at the start of it got that idea from. yeah well, at the start of it it says this is not based on recent events or something <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, based off on the spanish flu instead <laughs> yeah. um yeah so i mean i guess the general gist of this article is that you covered how to i guess survive isolation as best as possible with limited access to your usual physical and mental health resources mm, yeah and that was and there's a lot of facets to that. Um, like physically, 
there's yeah. you cut off from say your workplace um your schedule gets changed your diet your physical yeah. training like are we talk i talk about physical training because just of the brand we are yeah but um and i even saying there in the grand scheme it may seem fairly trivial to be concerned about training um when there's a global pandemic going mm. on but it is a consideration especially if you are someone who works in the fitness industry because your job got heavily affected yeah. and i think they're only just starting to recover from that like a lot of gyms are starting and they're just starting to have trainers back yeah and who knows how that's going um and if you it's a normal part of your day then your day is heavily um affected by yeah, that, especially yeah. if you use it for your physical training if you go from training a lot or being quite physically active to not at all mm. or much less yeah there's going to be some um even if just physically you're gonna have a lot of energy that you can't use and yeah. you're going to be um a lot more wound up and a lot harder to be productive as well because you're in this you've got no way to kind of you know get that out yeah. and um you know pent up i guess you know, yeah i mean fever. there's been a lot of uproar with regards to the gym stuff um in the states the gym community has been very vocal about how they think it's wrong that so many have been closed down mm. um especially with regards to mental health um you know nobody outside of the gym industry understands how important it can be for people's mental health to get in and lift weights or mm. do their their daily routine of exercise um you know, in the face of a pandemic where we see people cut off from, like you said, their support network, their day-to-day workplace life, um, their usual routine, these, you know, one of the things that a human being should be able to rely on is the fact that they can still train um, mm-hmm. or do some kind of exercise. Um, and, you know, the argument, especially over in the States, has been that, you know, if you can keep a supermarket open for the sake of feeding the population, you should be able to keep the gym open for the sake of keeping them mentally and physically healthy as well because, you know, a a fit and healthy person is someone with a higher immune resistance, Mm. is somebody that, you know, is mentally probably better off, um, is able to burn that that energy. And, you know, the argument has been, if they can just set up gyms where people don't stand fucking within six feet of each other, you know, why wouldn't they? Why why does the gym need to be closed if people can just maintain regular standards of hygiene? Um, I know, Victoria, that's been a big issue as well. They've been uh, fairly vocal about how they think that the gyms should remain open so that people have the opportunity to exercise Mm. um, and they should just be wearing masks, they should just be social distancing within the gym, they should just be recording their attendance like everywhere else. Yeah, well, I think they did quite well because gyms closed everywhere in Australia, but when they first opened back up, what they were doing is creating 45-minute slots, at least in the we used to go to, I know. 45-minute slots and they had a certain amount of people that could book in online like they would for any appointment and during that time you could train yeah um and then they had a 15 minute i believe cleaning process or yeah. like wiping things down and then they the next group would come in for their 45 minutes so it was like an hour rotation basically yeah. and that was their way of doing it and um, i thought that was quite good the way they did it because it provided people the opportunity um providing they could get in which yeah. is better than nothing at all yeah that's um, exactly right yeah and also we saw a lot and we've spoken about in the past uh there's also a need to adapt to the changes as well mm. um and a lot of people took that on and you could see like in the walking track near where we live that was like way busier than normal. yeah um a lot of people getting outside to do stuff and that was a good thing um but no you're right people struggle with that especially where there was heavier laws where you quite literally curfews yeah and things like that you couldn't just go out and essentially be within arm's reach of someone anyway because the place is so busy because everyone's going there yeah um but yeah, so that was a big factor, and just so the I guess the overall principle for the uh, physical challenges was the interruption to your personal schedule um, and your productivity and your ability to socialize and the diet. I think was a big one too, because I think and we've spoken to some people who know others who have gone into lockdown and because of the lack of access to gym or bed decent training facilities in general and also how much easier it is to eat poorly Mm. um, when you're restricted like that. Um, 
And it, like with the basic rules of isolation being you're stuck inside and you need to limit the amount of time you can go out, there's only so much, so often you can go to the grocery store. And yeah. when going to the grocery store is a big effort because of all the restrictions, it becomes quite easy to just be like, no, I'll just mm. order something. You know, and yeah, I think they sh like normally Coles and Woolworths shut do deliveries for groceries, but they shut yeah. that down because they had to reprioritize their um delivery services or something like yeah. that. Um, so that was off, which would have been a great option, but obviously they weren't able to do that during the worst of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So dive was a big one, and it was quite difficult. And I think everyone can understand how easy that is, especially now where um, it's so easy to get through with all the delivery services. Mm. Like if the shop itself doesn't do their own delivery service, then you can always do Uber Eats or yeah. Log or whatever the other ones are. They were pretty quick at getting that stuff back on track too. Like the food they stuff. were faster at getting like Uber Eats and McDonald's delivery mm. and Domino's back up and running than they were at getting like groceries delivered. Yeah. Like you'd think you could just Uber Eats stuff from the grocery store instead. Why is that not a fucking option? Yes. Yeah, Why can't I Uber Eats from Woolies? Send you delivery to aisle Are you listening, and, Uber? Yeah. <laughs> Do this. Why are you not allowing me to Uber Eats my weekly groceries from some dude on a push bike? <laughs> Yeah, dyes are on, and I think everyone felt that, especially with everyone buying so much stuff. Like, I remember every time I went to the shops for a while, like, on the, I reduced the amount that I went there, and when I did go there, most of the stuff I wanted was gone. Yeah. So either it was just, like, scraps or the really expensive stuff that no one would buy because of how expensive yeah. it was. So you had, like, eat like a king but spend way more mm. or, you know, have the shit stuff, have, like, chicken kidneys or something for dinner. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I do think that um, the supermarket and grocery chains did a pretty bang up job during. This oh, period. like yeah, I'm definitely not saying like, they did a poor um, job. They had they had a pretty big challenge of you know staying open, keeping people safe, providing the essentials mm. um, when people were going absolutely crazy they and just it buying too. the essentials left, right, and center. Yeah, mm. people working at grocery stores, um, and I think what did they have a huge boom in jobs? Like they were able to offer thousands of more thousands more jobs across the mm. country because they were trying to meet delivery needs and yeah um and just stock shelves faster than ever mm. um so yeah i think when we look at the challenges faced not just by people obviously where like you know we just want our steak and fucking rice yeah for these um, needs. but you know the grocery chains are dealing with just this huge uptake in demand this massive increase in people wanting all of their like perishable goods yeah so it's um especially when they all feel entitled to them and yeah there's yeah. just only so much and i felt so sorry for the amount of shit that all the retail workers and um yeah. all that service workers were copying yeah it's like someone comes in and obviously they're out of say like toilet paper was the big one yeah you know what are they, they can't magically conjure it in front of you yeah like especially not like somebody that just works the checkout yeah, like, this like, person isn't in charge of requisitioning more toilet yeah. paper. <laughs> like their job is just to like help you find it in the aisles. And then scan your items and send <laughs> yeah. you on your way. That's exactly right. Um, so, yeah, when we look at the challenges, you know, caused by isolation, um, we can see the increase in stress levels like basically being presented to us in physical form by the way people interact with like those of us Others, that still yeah. had to work mm. like um you know if your job was deemed essential by the government which i mean that's an interesting enough term as is um and brings us sort of back to the gym thing is you know the people in charge of deciding what's essential and what's not you can definitely tell where their particular priorities lie you know like well, the yeah. politicians um and the medical I guess medical experts in charge of deciding what stays open and what's get what gets closed. That's been up for debate for the entire time. Mm. This whole shit has been going on. Um, I think in Victoria, the you know the one thing because obviously Victoria we see the longest period of isolation in Australia. You know the people that are saying that you know bars, pubs, and clubs. <laughs> were allowed to open but gyms mm. remained closed so dudes were allowed you know you could go out and get pissed mm. but you couldn't lift weights yeah um, I, it's interesting because like i try and imagine it from their level and the thing that keeps coming up with on the politician level seems to be the economy my economy my economy yeah <laughs> and you know and that's why in like i guess in sydney and stuff the big money makers were starting to open sooner and it just caused another um yeah boom in cases um, and I, think, I believe like New South Wales is the biggest economy generation for yeah, Australia. Yeah, so sense. that was why there was a bit of um, priority there. 
Um, but yeah, it is interesting, especially when the people making decisions, like you're saying, are uh, politicians, and you look at them, you're like, I can yeah. see your priorities are different. And obviously, they're listening to the medical staff. Yeah. Um, you know, we look at in Queensland, the Premier has basically defaulted to the Chief Health Officer mm. every single time. But this woman doesn't lift weights. Mm. <laughs> you can see that by looking at her. Um, and I've noticed that recently, Queensland Health on Facebook, social media and stuff have started um, promoting the benefits of exercise in relation to mental health and mm. stuff. But you know, we know in Australia and we know in the States that the connection between physical training and the medical industry is not a very good one. We know that, you know, it is not very often that a doctor and a um, and a PT will work hand in hand very mm. well. You know, the doctor has gone to uni for six years and the PT does a fucking three-month course. Why the fuck would those two people talk to each other? Mm. Um, even though we know that staying physically fit and healthy is basically essential to keeping that person out of the doctor's office as much as possible. Um, but when we look at a chief health officer whose whole life is probably, you know, pretty traditional medicine, Western medicine, um, and the fact that they are willing to close the gyms, but, you know, they are also willing to open up pubs and clubs so quickly, you can definitely see that, um, you know, their priorities lie in, you know, let's make as much money for the state as possible, which obviously we don't want the state's economy to collapse or whatever. Mm. Um, but, you know, they maybe they they have a bit of a disconnect mentally as well between what people are using to keep fit and what they deem essential to health and well-being mm. um, compared to, you know, what the general population might do. You yeah. know, for them, it might be enough to go for a 30-minute walk every day. Um, but for a lot of people, you know, we know with the veteran community and with a lot of meatheads out there and that lifting weights is, it's, um, a serious mental health thing for them. Yeah. So that's why there was so much concern, especially in Victoria about spikes in suicide rates, um, you know, mental health getting worse. Um, and we saw the state government's solution to that was, oh, let's just put money, more money into things like Lifeline mm. and stuff, like, which is a Band-Aid solution. Lifeline doesn't need more money. <laughs> they need less people calling yeah. and less people will call if those people can train. Well, I think they, the numbers doubled. Yeah. So all close to, I believe, from what yeah. I heard. Um, but, yeah. Um, so, challenges physical, that was, I think we've covered that fairly well. Um, mental challenges, we're kind of starting to get, well, we've, kind of naturally gone into already yeah. um, and we'll continue to keep talking in that. Um, like I mentioned with the physical, your interruption to your daily schedule um, and it's also your isolation, not only just from, say, your responsibilities like work, et cetera, it's also isolation from your support networks hmm. um, or just places you enjoy going to. Um, but support was support networks especially uh, you may have a person a group of people or something that you go to and that you feel comfortable with and that supports you in some way you may not re even realize it or they may not even realize it that mm. the, the, that importance is there um, but that's the kind of relationship you may have with that group or individual um, when you lose that um, and again this is without this is out of your control mm. um, that has a big impact on on someone yeah. um, and you can try and fill that gap by um, keeping in touch with someone or a group of people whether that's a group like a group chat or just individual messages and try and keep it online as possible as much as you can but it's no um, supplement for the real thing I guess you could say yeah. um, and a lot of people, I think a lot of people found that like it's um great to keep in touch and it's really important to as well to reach out and say hey how are you doing especially when everyone's experiencing the same thing mm. um so we can all learn different ways to um deal with it yeah. um and if you've got that shared experience um reaching out can be really helpful but especially with the amount of time that it's been going on for now um there's only so long before you start to get those diminishing returns and each time it's quite not not quite as effective as it may have once been or the um, the gap since the last time 
you may have seen that group or that person is really starting to get to you, but just because of the amount of time. Like I, and I mentioned the article, I'm in a long distance relationship. Marshall is as well. Yeah. For us, it's what for yourself, it's been since um, the start of the year, hasn't it? January. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a really fucking long time and it sucks. Yeah. Um, and we fill that gap as best we can, but, and especially with something that we don't know what, when it's going to end, um, it has a large impact mentally. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, the most obvious one there is uh, the people that you work with. Mm, like a lot yeah, of people true. don't realize that, you know, if you work in an office and there's like, I don't know, fucking 20 people in there, you know, five of those people might be your like office best mates. Or yeah, yeah. And you're seeing these people like five days a week. Your work husband. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. These are And these are people that like you might not realize, but you do depend on them for like social support. Um, you know, for some kind of connection, they help you get through that day or whatever because um, not every day at work is a great time. Mm. Um, so when you go from seeing this group of people, even the, like the people in the office that you probably fucking hate, like you go from seeing these people and they are like a consistent theme in your life. Yeah. Um, they're just, you know, they're always there and whether you like them or not, you know, they're, they'll say the same shit they always do. They probably bring up the fucking weather or whatever it is that they talk about. Um, and then you like have a bitch to your work husband about it. And yeah. then, you know, the work day goes the same way it always does. And then suddenly isolation comes, everyone, everyone's working from home and you do not see that group of people, you know, for a very long time potentially. Yeah. Um, even when people started to go back to work and they started to do that shift thing when it's like you'd have half the office in on one day and half mm. on the next day. Um, you know, you, you're not around the same group of people that you were for a very long time. So that can be a pretty big impact. You know, a lot of people, when Dan says things like, uh, you know, a significant one person or significant group of people, you might start thinking about relationships, which, yeah. I, I mean, that matters. Um, you might even think family or close friends, you know, the people that you see on the weekends. But usually the biggest impact comes from those people you see every day. Yeah. They're the ones that you, uh, you know, you work with. Um, and then another side of that is um, there was that massive increase in domestic abuse as well mm. because, you know, there are these people that will spend most of their day out at work, not around those dangerous people. But now they're stuck at home with those people within the family that maybe are, actually really dangerous to fucking be around. Yeah. Um, so we saw a significant uptake in that purely because you've now crammed two people into a room together or more that, you know, previously they had enough time apart where those issues may not have arisen very often um, and now you've got them in a room fucking 24-7. So those issues are popping up way more often. So that's the real dark side of that. Well, yeah, I know someone that... um lived with their partner and being stuck, like essentially stuck together yeah. for more, like normally they do have, kind of have their own parts of their own lives, yeah. um, which is healthy. And then being stuck together all the time, they ended up not splitting up. They just moved, one moved out and yeah. so they had that space again and they found that was better for them so they didn't have to be in each other's yeah. faces all the time. Well, space is super important, mm. you know, and you might, the way people's relationships progress, you might not realise that, um, you know, living together 24-7 is not a good thing for that. It's difficult that for almost anyone to live with another person that closely. For, yeah. Yeah, 24-7. Especially if you don't have already established boundaries or mm. you're not good at your communication, you know, and not a lot of people are really. No. Um, so, yeah, there is definitely a downside to spending fucking 24 hours a day with, you know, family that you used to only see for like a couple of hours a day mm. through the week. Um, and then other options of people that may have had an impact of you not seeing might have been, you know, maybe every weekend you pop over to your family. Um, you know, you live in the same state as your parents or, you know, maybe um, every so often you'd go for a couple-hour drive, your parents live up on the sunny coast or something and you go, oh, like for you, for example, mm. you know, your mum lives down at Tweed yeah. but suddenly that's over the border and yeah, you can't, can't see, see them. them. Yeah, you can't see your family and, you know, special occasions pop up, birthdays, um, Easter, whatever it is that you celebrate with your family and you, even though they're fucking only a couple of hours away, you can't spend that time with them. Mm. Um, so those are all really um really important aspects that support network um other people that i can think of are people's doctors um i know that doctor's offices became one of those places where you just wouldn't want to go because obviously that's where the fucking yeah, sick people area. are going um so if you're somebody that has a medical condition that 
you need to spend a fair bit of time seeing doctors or psychs or something like that. Um, and you're used to seeing this person once a month or once a week or something. And it's like a staple of that week. You know, you go and you have your appointment with the psych and suddenly because of the state's regulations saying that you shouldn't go into the doctor's office unless you really fucking need to for everybody's safety. But they've now disconnected that relationship that you had that was a real staple of your week. So that can have another significant impact as well. So it's not just significant others. Obviously, they are a massive part. Mm. Um, but it is also those people you might not suspect. It's your coworkers, even the ones you don't like. It's the medical professionals that you might... It's even the PTs. There's another good example. Mm. PTs that you probably see once or twice a week and suddenly that PT is fucking out of work basically. Mm. And you can't see this person who they might not be a friend or something, but they're certainly somebody that, you know, is important to you in some way. Yeah. And you might share some of your problems with them or, you know, when I know most clients that come in here, I mean, we talk pretty much the whole session about whatever the fuck it might be. Yeah. And that in that social engagement for that person is probably a pretty important part of their week. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realise, like especially like you've been saying in work, the amount like, and you'll find this in every workplace, everyone complains about the same shit. Oh, yeah. And like in the military, it was massive. It's constant as yeah. well. It's like, oh, this fucking sucks. And could've, that was... that Could have done this back on leverage. Yeah, could have done this on base. Like yeah. everything is like, oh, this is shit. And you kind of bond over this mutual like <laughs> hatred for whatever you're about <laughs> to do or whatever you're doing. Yeah. Like you've been McDonald's working... It sucks, but, you, and, yeah. but as soon as you just dealt with a shit customer, you can just turn to someone and go, what a fuckhead. And yeah. they're just like, yeah, I know, right? And then yeah. you can talk about them. and But then you lose that kind of feedback. And- if you're working from home, you've got like your Zoom with your boss and then mm. it suddenly finishes and you turn to the teddy bear you propped on your desk like, what a fuckhead. <laughs> and it's just like staring at you yeah. blankly and you're like. That's beady eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not the same. <laughs> and you go full castaway. Yeah. Well said. Well said. My boss yeah. sucks. <laughs> yeah, but it—I mean—it has a significant mental impact. I mean, yeah, these engagements that you have, um, you might not realize how important they are. Um, if if you looked at you know your average week, and you—I mean, I don't know if you use a calendar or whatever, but if you can go to your calendar in a week before COVID was ever a thing. And you look at your appointments and you're, okay, there's the psych, there's my PT sessions, there's my period where I'm at work, here's the kids' soccer game or whatever the fuck it is. Um, yeah, here's date night with my boyfriend or whatever it is. And um, and that week looks significantly different to a week in isolation. And it's not the fact that you can't go to your kids' soccer game. It's the fact that this week is nowhere near the same as that week and the human body is not very good at making that kind of change. Mm. Uh, Mentally, it does not adapt well to going from doing something the same week in, week out to doing none of those things anymore or doing all of them in a completely different way. Yeah, and I say in the article, the novelty of staying in your pyjamas and sitting at your computer at home or on the couch... Um, wears off oh, yeah. quite quickly. Like you can do that. You may you may be going on six months later. Gun, this is amazing. Yeah, and some people are just built for that. Like today, I uh, I was on a Zoom call and I turned the camera off and went and laid in bed for a little bit. <laughs> I'll be right, working, working from home, yeah. am I right? I'll be right back. I just got an important call to make. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And that's and you know you can take it certainly take advantage of it. <laughs> yeah, um, like still you could, like, yeah, like you could with anything else. Um, and some people thrive in these environments. Don't get me wrong; so I really enjoy the more like recluse lifestyle. Yeah. Um, but for most people, the novelty does wear off, and eventually, you're just someone sitting at home in their pajamas, um, probably <laughs> smelling weird and, <laughs> yeah, and speaking to teddy bears. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I saw something recently, I think it was on Harvard Business Review, of um, them doing an assessment of the short-term productivity boost in workers working from home compared to the long-term drop-off in productivity because they realized they they weren't being watched anymore. (laughs) And what they saw is initially when people work from home, they were actually super fucking productive. Mm. They got home and they're like, fuck yeah, I can get all my work out of the way. I can go for my walk. I can structure my day. And then like after four to six weeks, they started to go, I can really do whatever the fuck I want and nobody can tell me otherwise. And so it was about how do we juggle like maximizing this kind of productivity, mm. the the obvious boost to productivity that workers enjoy when they get 
you know, this time to themselves. They get to work from, um, you know, in their own environment. Pajamas or no pajamas, you know, if they're doing the work, fuck yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but then how do we also keep them from doing that drop-off and mm. just going, you know what, fuck, I'm just going to stay in bed today. Um, yeah. Google have done some pretty interesting things. You know how Google was always a cool place to go work? Like yeah. you could the have lunch there. And and, shit, yeah, because yeah. yeah. obviously all that like incentive kind of got cut away. You could literally go in a room and have a nap at Google somewhere. Um, They started basically sending over house cleaners, um, just like all this shit to help you around the house because if you don't have to clean the house for an hour, you get to work for another. (laughs) But, yeah, they lost all those incentives, so they... Tried to re-incentivize, yeah. like gardeners and just yeah. Side note: Do you reckon they just would send people stuff that was had no context and just to <laughs> mess with them? Like, <laughs> like you just send your employee like a hammer, <laughs> just just to help you out while you're stuck at home. <laughs> what? Thanks. Thanks, Google. Yeah, best <laughs> employer in the world. Yeah, um, and I'd seen on that HBR article there was stuff like um, you know productivity trackers. Like, are they moving the mouse every? Yeah, which I, I mean, I don't know how effective that kind of strategy is because it almost demonstrates there's no trust there, um, and it you know it might not be the most effective way to assess whether someone's being productive. I because would download a, a click. As we yeah, yeah, as we know, people will fucking get like a little like their fucking robot vacuum and just slap their mouse on the fucking <laughs> just tie thing. It to the back like a little yeah, trailer. and just make it <laughs> boom around the fucking house. Um, like the software, well, the program I basically go through to find virtual assistants has a built-in software where it, if you're paying them by air, it screenshots every yeah. like five minutes. And I don't like that because yeah, I don't want to look like I'm mm. watching them. And I don't, I don't look at it. But if a job wasn't getting done, then I might go look at it, yeah, and be like, "Why isn't this getting done?" But I haven't had to so far. I've seen people set up their fan and like, and tie something to the fan and put it on rotate. Like, and so when it comes back, it'll the thing they've tied to it will click the mouse, and then it'll go back and then click it every time it does a rotate. Like, comes people back. will find a way. Mm. Um, but. What I've also seen is productivity tracking stuff that it's not necessarily productivity tracking, but it's more, um, I guess, workforce management or, you know, uh, overall task management or project management software where, um, you know, there are companies out there now that allow all the employees in the company can see everything that everybody's working on. It's basically like a Monday.com situation mm-hmm. where you can see all the projects that are being done. I think it's Amazon actually because Jeff Bezos is really big into pushing innovation across the company. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem with innovation they found is it wastes a shitload of money because they keep trying stuff and not all of yeah. it works. Um, so what he's found is one of the best ways to manage that innovation. But also what I could see as a good way to track productivity is if you give everybody access to everything that's going on and they can see what progress it's up to you know you can start to manage the workforce in a way where we see like um you know these projects are going really fucking well why might that be or are they just easier than what we thought or are they going to be more successful these ones are going really fucking shit so we can just think about cutting them away or maybe we need to divert resources from this one to this one maybe these people need extra motivation that i see that as much more beneficial because you know, um, if you're watching whether someone clicks every one minute or whatever, um, compared to how much, how motivated is this person to actually get this job done, um, you're going to see much more out of those employees if you can find ways to either motivate them or help them work on tasks that they're going to be motivated to do rather than just monitor whether they fucking click every minute. I think mm. that's just a bit of a bullshit excuse mm. to say, like, make sure you're doing what you're fucking told. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this all links back to those mental challenges of um, of being isolated is just having to worry about whether someone is watching how many times you've clicked the fucking screen, mm. you know, whether your boss is going to, like, hound you for work that, you know, you are perfectly capable of getting done, whether your boss is even or whether you or your boss is even, um, you know, well-equipped to adapt to a work environment like that. You know, a lot of um, upper management these days, maybe they've been doing the same shit for fucking 20 years. They've never seen a work-from-home situation and suddenly they get forced into it and they deal with that change by putting a lot more pressure on their on their employees. Mm. And that doesn't make anyone feel good. 
that just uh, probably exacerbates mental health issues, you know, and makes people feel a bit shitter about the company they work for or the yeah. people they work with. Um, you know, you know, are they willing to take responsibility for the productivity in these environments? Um, all of that is a is a mental challenge, I think, in a in a situation like this. Yeah, and um, I guess let's go into solutions now. And um, you just the touched strategies. Strategies. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Not, oh, yeah. Solutions is definitely is the wrong word one? because it's no, oh, no. Okay. I just said the wrong thing. Solutions definitely isn't the word. Strategies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Marshall's mentioned it's potentially making things worse at home um, and some strategies. And I start off again, start off with physical. Um, and I mentioned right at the start, your schedule. Um, I think humans are generally creatures of habit um, yeah. and everyone has their own schedule, whether you plan it out or not. You may have like you get up at a certain time, you norm, like pre-isolation, you would get ready for work, um, go to work in your preferred method, be there for X amount of hours with a lunch break, come back, and then you have like seven eight hours before you go to bed at a certain time in preparation for the next day. Um, whether how like and that's fairly flexible. Some people it differs from day to day depending on what you you do, but for the vast majority, it's fairly consistent. Hmm. Um, but when you are stuck at home, um, you could have the same schedule technically, but when you have the comforts of home. Hmm. Um, and especially if, like Marsha was saying, if there's some kind of some software tracking you and you feel obligated to do certain things at a certain time that weren't there before, that's going to cause stress. But also when you're, say, sitting there and you can see your couch, TV, hmm. your bed, all these other things, or you may be in them already, it's fairly counterproductive and it's going to mess with your schedule, especially um, with... The, where your brain associates you do these particular things and that's a big one for anyone that spends a lot of time in bed doing, say, watching TV and things like mm. that. Um, your brain associates um, certain areas with certain activities and bed it generally or it should associate with sleep. If you do a lot of other stuff in there, you're going to mess with that and either find it difficult to sleep or just not be productive because you want to sleep in mm. bed. So a good one a strategy for being at home trying to be productive is separate your work and relaxation areas. Yeah. So, you know, you've got a desk for working or some area for working that is, like, you know, comfortable and you can be productive there and just focus on work where that may just be a whole room that's your office. And then you have your recreational relaxation areas that may be the couch with the TV, bed, um, your, you know, you might have a computer set up like I do, just sick rig and everything. <laughs> Way to throw that in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so amazing. You know, but I got a new computer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so the easiest thing to do, the simplest strategy is to just separate these things. Um, and I understand it's that's one way to do it, and it's it is still difficult when you can see the other areas. Like mm. I was just saying, you may be in your productive zone, but then you can look over and see like your housemate or your partner or your friend on your couch just hanging out or something. You're like, fuck, that looks pretty good. <laughs> um, and that's totally understandable. That's totally normal. Um, and the next strategy I think is massive, as I was just talking about with scheduling um, and creatures of habit, is try and replicate the schedule you had before um, as best you can. So if you got up in the morning at a certain time, still get up at that time in the morning yeah. um, and do that every morning during your work week or whatever it may be. Same time, get up, get ready in a sense that's, you know, um, relevant to your new environment like you don't may not have to put on a suit or whatever anymore but you should at least get up you know you might have a shower brush your teeth you know comb your hair do stuff so you aren't just like a complete slob <laughs> as as nice as it is sometimes to just do nothing you know um you feel and, a lot better too like after a yeah, shower absolutely, yeah morning, absolutely a lot more yeah work work yeah <laughs> And um, if you make a coffee, like you may make now, just try making a coffee at home. Or if there's like a local shop, you can quickly drive through Macca's. Even just like do something. If you need to get coffee, you can have replace your old um, way of getting it with something new, but that replicates that whole task. And then you start work. Start work at the same time still. So even if you only have to sit at a computer or whatever, sit down in your productive zone and start at the same time. And you're probably a, a held accountable by your boss with that. Um, with some jobs, assuming they're using yeah. like tracking software, others how, may not. Yeah, how did they? How do they do that? Do you like 
check in at the morning at 8 they, o'clock? They or? may have just organised a Zoom meeting at yeah, yeah, 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. or something. Everyone tunes in half an hour. They talk about the shit they're going to do. Yeah, there's some stuff where you log into and, like, they'll have their own yeah, um, stuff you yeah. have to actually log into. Um, I know Jordan used to do it, and it was – He'd log in, but all he'd have to do was wait for calls to come in. So it was kind of like he was logged in working, uh, but he'd yeah. just be like patting sure. the cat. <laughs> yeah. um, if you take take your lunch break at the same time, give yourself the same amount of time for lunch. Um, and then in the afternoon, do the same thing you normally do. Finish work at your regular time. And then if you um, – and now I'll also start to segue into the training stuff again after this. Um, if you would normally go to the gym after work or even before, try and do that at the same time. So if you would normally drive from work, um, sorry, to the gym from work, just finish work, put down, get ready f- to do something physical straight away. Yeah. Um, they may just be putting runners and some training gear on and then do it and get it out of the way. Yeah. And then after that, same, then you can have your recreation time like you normally would. Yeah. Yeah, I think we also, or Dan also in the article touched on um, training at home. Um, like you said, have a place to do it, whether you actually go outside or go on the driveway in a house or you have a garage gym, or even if you don't have any equipment, there is stuff that you can do at home. You know, we all saw the fucking push-up challenges and shit, but, um, you know, for a period of isolation, becoming excellent at body weight movements is is definitely a challenge for most people. You know, even powerlifters um, who can squat fucking three times their body weight may not have that good of a body weight squat. Um, and so that's, you know, even if you're in isolation for fucking six weeks to six months, I know it's probably not the training that you enjoy the most, but you can find ways to make these movements extremely challenging. Uh, calisthenics is, um, you know, one of the best things about calisthenics is that you do not need a lot of extra equipment to do it. Um, calisthenics is just body weight manipulation. Um, so maybe for that six-week period, even if you are a powerlifter or an ollie lifter or something or a CrossFit athlete or something, just set the goal of I'm going to master fucking calisthenics in six months. I mean, good luck to you, but um, it is going to provide an, a challenge that is achievable at home and you do not need the equipment that the gym offers. Um, and then on top of that, we all know everyone went and bought out every single piece of gym equipment on the internet anyway. So you know, chances are even if you just get your hands on a fucking kettlebell from Balance to You, um, they were renting them out or just lending them out to their gym members. You know, a lot of other gyms were renting out barbells and plates and stuff. Um, so chances are there was the ability to access a little bit of equipment and even if you don't have fucking 500 kilos worth of weight plates at home and a squat rack, you know, you can probably find a way to do some kind of barbell complex that is going to be as challenging, if not more challenging in new ways. So there is ways to train at home. And for those people out there that think that they just cannot get the same results doing it, um, I would, you know, ask you to just open your mind a little bit, have a look online and, and just look at different ways to do things. Yeah, definitely. I mentioned the start adapting. Um, the restrictions may be out of your control, but look at things in your control and that is how you how you react to it yeah and in the training case there is always stuff you can do yeah whether it is kind of calisthenics or you just take up walking and stuff and yeah you'll have to change your goals um if you want to be realistic about your expectations um you may even try to get set a new bench pb yeah if you don't have the equipment at home for that you're probably not going to do it but you can stay fit and healthy still yeah and that's the important thing when you know in the in the grand scheme um, we're in the last 15 minutes yeah, now. Is there anything um, we need to read out from the... Um, not really. Dusty just Dusty. told a story about um, how his... What's his, like, offhander called? Is it like a person? Like a tradie helper. His wife. <laughs> oh, his apprentice. Apprentice, that's the one. Apprentice, is that what they call Fucked up yeah. and they told him to... Um, the boss didn't see and he told him to throw it in the bin next door and the guy building the house next door ended up throwing it back up on their roofs. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> tradie wars. Tradie wars. wars. Yeah. That's a classic. Um, but yeah, not too much. Yeah, yeah. cool. Hive is Battle Royale. Yeah. One of my um, my favourite ways to replicate my work day when we were in isolation is I would still do the same commute. I would go downstairs uh, sit on my motorcycle in full motorcycle equipment and then uh, yell at imaginary traffic <laughs> for 45 minutes. Um, and then I'd head back up, make myself coffee and uh, start my work day nice and stressed as usual. I really found that helped with my routine. <laughs> Someone just walking past. Hey, you. Hey, hey get back in. Get the fuck off the road. 
talking to me? <laughs> this is a highway. <laughs> yeah. No, don't do that. That's <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. Um, but I did read an article recently about um, the importance of replicating your mm. um, your routine, including the morning commute. Um, some people, that is a significant part of their day. And they're not saying sit on your motorbike for fucking 45 Pretend minutes. Pretend you're sitting on the train. But there is a 45-minute period of your day there or before and after work where, you know, or whatever, however long it takes you to fucking get to work. This is time that you can use. Um, you could use it to read a book if, as if you were sitting on the train. You would normally read a book um, or listen to a podcast. Maybe you go for a 15-minute walk in that time and you listen to the podcast or you listen to some music or you just take that time out of your day like you would as if you were driving or riding or whatever it might be, um, but you use it for, uh, I guess, the same sort of thing you would use that commute for is it's the time between being at home and being at work. So when you wake up in the morning and you know you have to work from home, but you are trying to separate your workday from your home life, a 15-minute walk after breakfast or something while you listen to a podcast that you might listen on listen to on the same drive to work that you would have is going to just provide that extra buffer that separates your day of work from your day at home. And once again, once you finish work, you do your 15 minutes, just go for a walk outside or something, and that's your body's time to sort of rest, reset, and go, okay, I have finished work now. I am doing my commute. I am now back home, and I can rest, relax, go to the gym or whatever. So you, And then after that period of time, you don't read your fucking emails. You don't, um, you know, you don't take work calls. That's, that's that dividing line that shows work is over. Now my home life begins again. Yeah, and that um, transition period is actually really important for a lot of people because it's a mental transition. Yeah. Yeah, otherwise the lines start to blur and it gets mixed and that's where it starts to cause some negative effects. The last thing you want is to be, you know, you finish work at five, but you're like, ah, no, I've just got this extra task. I'm at home. I'm on my computer anyway. Mm -hmm. I don't need to beat the traffic or anything. I'll just let it go to 5.30 or to 6. And and then it's starting to affect your family life. Then it's starting to make you stressed for longer each day. Um, You know, you're letting work interfere with the rest of your life. Um, You know, if you are strict about that commute, whether it's just sit out on the fucking balcony and have a coffee or something Mm -hmm. for that period of time, then you are providing that very clear line between his work and his sitting on my motorbike in my garage. <laughs> yeah, uh, boss can't come to work today. I got robbed of the train. <laughs> I stole my shoes. Um, yeah, do people still have sick days from home or are they just like... Well, I believe because- this probably highlighted the importance of the mental health day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there is an allowance for... A mental health day with you know um, work cover and shit like that. It's not like and one a year. You have to. No, I think it just comes under sick leave. Uh, but if you were to take a sick day for mental health reasons, most people sort of frown upon that. They go, "Oh no, everyone's stressed." You know, mm. but fuck you, man. Like, um, if you, if the difference between you spending all day at work being unproductive and just basically being an absolute fuckhead, or spending a day at home just letting your brain reset and and chill out then take that fucking mental health day. Um, just because you're sick doesn't mean that you have you know have to either work or not work because you're working from home. You know, if you think that you're in a particular state of mind or physically you are, you know, fluey or whatever, you shouldn't be logging on to work and trying to do work because not only does it set a fucking precedent, you know, you're telling your work that you are willing to do things even though you are physically or mentally not in a good place. But it's also telling your body that it doesn't deserve rest, doesn't deserve a break, um, and that kind of stuff is is pretty unhealthy. So, um, you know, if you and that's one thing that I will give props to Exclaim, where I used to work, mm. is if we were sick um, and we were staying home, you know, they would say don't log on. You know, even if you are sick and at home, use that time to rest and recover. Um, rather than trying to log on and do more work while you're sick and just, you know, whether you make it worse or you're just not in a good headspace. It's just not mm. It's not a good thing. So if you are an employer out there and you expect people to work from home every day even though they're sick, fuck you. Yeah. Um, we had a few – we've got a few links on there as well. Yeah, we did um, um, We did include a few uh, on people, trainers that have a lot of stuff online. If people aren't sure what you can do at home, 
or unsure how to train. Um, more recent stuff because they are in, well, two of the three are in Queensland, so they're back in gyms, but they do have a lot of good stuff on there and information. Um, that's a couple of our affiliates, or a few of our affiliates, uh, Lily Dixon, uh, Nomi Zemakillop, and we got Sean Cobra on there as well. So they've all got a lot of great training information um, that anyone can access online just on social media or a couple of them have websites. And box breathing? Oh, yes. I did mention a great strategy, physical strategy for um, calming. And this is, you can do this anywhere. It requires no equipment. It's just breathing exercises. And I say in there, if you think just being able to breathe to help calm yourself down or whatever is all bullshit, then it'll just try it once because it works. Um, this one is called box breathing. Um, you can essentially do this for as long as you want. Um, but I I think I say in there, six minutes, I think this one took a little um, session. Um, it's So it's essentially well, what it is, is it's four seconds of breathing in and then you hold that breath for four seconds. Then you spend four seconds exhaling and then you hold um, empty lungs, not empty, but... Um, after exhaling, hold it for four seconds again. And then you just repeat that cycle over and over again. And it's um, a great um, way to get your body to go into a parasympathetic state, which is its rest and digest, um, its ability to recover. And um, I really recommend that for anyone that has trouble winding down. Helps you sleep. It, it does help you sleep. Yeah, it does help yeah. you sleep, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Cool. All right, well, I think that reaches the conclusion. So we'll wrap it up there. Um Cool. Uh, thanks to anyone that's watched this live. If you watch it later, we appreciate it all. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow at 5 p.m. Australian Standard Time for Wild West Wednesdays on Twitch only. Um, we'll be doing more Anvil Against Humanity um, yes. with the, the next expansion pack, which will be fun. Exciting stuff. Very <laughs> exciting. Yeah, cool. So I hope everyone has a good evening, and we'll catch you tomorrow. Yeah, see you later. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Hard Way with Anvil TND. This is all made possible by listeners like you, so thank you for your support. If you enjoyed this one, hit the like button and subscribe so you never miss a show. Make sure to visit our website, www.anviltd.com, and check out some of our articles and other podcasts. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, any positive ratings really help. Or if you simply tell a friend about us, that would help us out too. If you have an opinion on something we talk about, we would love to know in the comments. Be sure to tune in for our next episode. And remember, train smart, train hard.